book of Daniel chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, if not, they're going to have it on the screen for you. While you're getting ready for that, I do want to say, I want to mention something we need to celebrate this morning. Uh, We didn't have anybody saved in the 845 service today, but yesterday we had a young lady that goes to church here. Uh, Miss Charlie White gave her heart to Jesus at home yesterday. So we celebrate her this morning. That is awesome. It's so awesome. And I think I see Tira Rogers back there today. Tira works for uh, FP Kids Connection. This might be her first service. And it's so good to see Tira back there today. Give her a big welcome. She is a great employee and loves the babies. That's for sure. Daniel chapter 6, verses 19 through 23, the New King James Version. The word said, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now, the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury, whatever, was found on him. Watch this. Because he believed in his God. Very familiar passage of scripture, but I hope to bring some things to light this morning about this story that maybe you've not considered before. I want to preach to you a message I've simply titled, When He Shuts the Lion's Mouths. If you will, one more time, pray with me and for me today. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these precious people. I pray, Lord, that you would remove every hindrance and distraction for the next few moments that that would keep us from hearing what your word is speaking to us and receiving what you want us to leave here uh, imparted in us with today. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive your word. Anoint these lips of clay, Lord, that I don't speak my words at all or even with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but that, Lord, it would just be your word that would come forth today and that it would come forth in the power and the demonstration of your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would let many leave here encouraged today knowing that if we place our confidence and our trust in you as this whole service has led us on that same theme, if we place our confidence and our trust in you, you will protect us and you will deliver us from every attack of the enemy. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to talk a little bit quick. One of the things about this story that you may or may not be aware of was that Daniel was approximately 80 years old when he had this experience in the lion's den. Now, when I was growing up in Sunday school, anybody ever remember when we had the teachers that would teach on the felt boards? Anybody remember that? Had the little people they stuck on the felt boards? How many is old enough to remember that? Thank you. I thought I was the only one for a minute. But anyway, they always portrayed Daniel to be this young character, right? Actually, Daniel was 80 years old approximately when he faced this experience in the lion's den. He had already faced extreme hardships and trials in his life, yet despite all of those, he had proved himself to be a faithful servant of the Lord. He was probably only about 14, though, on the contrast, uh, when the armies of Babylon invaded and they conquered Israel. And that's 
that's a story you may not know as much about that I'm going to talk about today. The Babylonians then led many of the people away in chains, in bondage. And this way that they systematically deported, if you will, those people was very violent and it was very cruel. And Daniel, who had been taken as a captive, he was one of the captives, 14 years old, would have had to have overcome the trauma of all of this brutal treatment that he experienced as a young teen. Now, the scripture describes Daniel as a man with an excellent spirit. I love that, and I teach on it often, particularly to staff uh, and to volunteers. But he had an excellent spirit who continued to trust God uh, despite all of the things that he had been through. He, He had been chosen to serve in the royal palace, and this position that he was chosen for required him to become a eunuch. Uh, a eunuch meant, becoming a eunuch meant that he would never have a family of his own. And this was a tragic loss to any Israelite whose core value was based on lineage because the Israelites, it, family and lineage was of utmost importance. But once you became a eunuch, you couldn't have a, like a personal family of your own. So that was a tragic thing. But everything Daniel uh, held sacred had been taken from him, if you will. But instead of being Becoming bitter and resentful, like we do many times, he remained relentlessly faithful to God. And in turn, God gave him favor and honor with this heathen king. Daniel was brought into the inner court of the palace to serve, but there was a price tag attached to that privilege. See, selected eunuchs were required to partake of the king's menu of wines and all manner of fine meats, if you will. And this was intended to integrate those of other cultures into this Babylonian lifestyle and also cause them to conform to the king's ideas. How many know that we are living in a world that is trying to impose and enforce the culture of this world upon the church and force us to conform to their ideas? Can I get a witness this morning? So stay with me. Daniel did not want to defile himself of these specialty foods, so he asked for a simple diet of vegetables. I see a lot of people fanning. Could I get an usher to check the AC, please? Uh, I'm a little hot myself. So anyway, uh, Daniel did not want to defile himself with the specialty foods, so he asked for a simple diet of vegetables. That's where the Daniel fast came from. And his request was granted, and he overcame this incredible pressure to conform. And through his commitment to serve God, and watch this, because he had a made-up mind, he was granted tremendous wisdom from heaven. And later, under the haughty reign of Belshazzar, Belshazzar was a descendant king of Nebuchadnezzar. You've heard of him. Babylon became very, very sinful, indulging in sensuality. Does that sound familiar? You know, the the culture that says, if it feels good, do it. Can I get a witness? And they became very engrossed in that and involved in that. And they were living in a stupor of drunkenness and drunken arrogance. And they were unaware of their own spiritual depravity and their own spiritual ignorance. And King Belshazzar took the holy vessels of silver and gold. These holy vessels of silver and gold, King Belshazzar took them. And you know what he did with them? They had been taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He used those holy vessels to party in the royal court. See, they had crossed the line in that moment. And the judgments of God were pronounced. How many knows you can cross a line 
with the Lord. And out of nowhere, this hand appeared. You might have heard this story in Sunday school. And there was writing in an unknown language on the wall. And as the trembling king watched, Daniel was suddenly called upon to give the interpretation. Let's look at what it said. Daniel chapter 5, verse 26. This is the interpretation of each word. Mean. That means God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel or Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And historians tell us that very night, the gates of that city were opened without resistance to the Medo-Persian army who marched in and conquered that city. And King Belshazzar was slain and the great nation once called Babylon fell. And then under Um, Cyrus, who was also known as Darius, same person. Under King Darius' rule, he was this new Persian king. Daniel was set in a place of influence over the whole kingdom. And Daniel was now, fast forward, he was now 80 years old. And you would think at this age it would have been a time of rest and reward for him, right? How many are with me this morning and say, I hope and pray to God I'm retired before I'm 80, right? But there was, was there not a point in his life that he could just sit back and relax? And there certainly would not have been anything wrong with that had he chosen to just sit back and relax. But Daniel chose to continue to actively pursue God. And we read in the Word and we find that three times a day he went into his prayer closet. And he opened the windows of his room toward Jerusalem and he prayed. Three times a day. And while Daniel was reading the book of Jeremiah the prophet, he discovered the captivity was to last only 70 years. And from what the word of God was declaring and the Holy Spirit was quickening in his heart, Daniel knew that this time period had expired and the people would go free. And so his faith increased for his people. And He stood on God's promises for their deliverance. Can I tell you this morning that you can stand on God's promises for the deliverance of your people. You can stand on the word of God and his promises for the deliverance of your people. And little did he know that this revelation was the center of a heavenly battle. Because Satan doesn't want to see anybody go free. If you want to know, while you may be facing attack in your personal life, on your job, the church as a whole, but it's because we've seen over 60 people either get saved or rededicate their life to Jesus this year, and the devil is mad because he don't like to see anybody go free. So what's he going to do except launch an attack? The battle was on. That's exactly what he did right here. And God knew that this battle required somebody with more than just enthusiasm. God needed a man who had a measure of confidence already worked in him by God, somebody who could stand in faith without wavering. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. The word said, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. No one. See, there's a time as a young Christian that... You can go down. You know, everybody remembers when you first get saved, how excited, on fire, enthusiastic you are. There's there's a time when you can go down into the valley and meet Goliath with nothing but a slingshot and some stones. 
you've got that much enthusiasm. There's times as a young Christian that you'll have such zeal and enthusiasm. I've even heard people say before, a funny one, I feel like I could go through hell with a water pistol. That's enthusiasm. That's zeal. But listen, that kind of zeal and that kind of enthusiasm is good. It's really good. But there also comes a time, somebody helped me preach this morning, to mature and to know God in such a way that you simply stand in prayer. Unmoved by the devil and by the voices that are around you. Is there any else, anybody else besides me this morning that has to put up sometimes with hearing the voices of the enemy roaring all around you? But see, one thing, the powers of hell can do all of that. But one thing the powers of hell cannot do, one thing that they cannot stop, and that is you going into your prayer closet. That is you getting down and talking to God one-on-one. And see, there's... Prayer is a lost art in the church today. But there are people in our generation who are really standing in the gap, and that doesn't mean they're standing in pulpits, but they're standing in their secret place of prayer. They're standing in a place that people don't see. Can I tell you, like this past Monday night and a month ago as well, uh, our ladies have been meeting for prayer once a month on the first Monday night of the month. And there was 30-some ladies here the first time and, and about the same last time this past Monday. Can I tell you that, that those things are not things that everybody sees, but can I tell you God sees and records that faithfulness. God hears those prayers. So I want to talk to some of you just for a moment this morning who may be over retirement age. Just when you think it might be time for you to prop up your feet and relax and perhaps enjoy the fruits of your labor, maybe another trial came. Boom. Unexpected. Maybe that trial is deeper than anything you've faced so far in your life. Can I tell you that Daniel was faced here with a trial just like that. Wicked men had risen to power. And they had begun writing laws which moved against the people of God. They had a law passed, listen at this, forbidding anybody to pray to any God except Darius the king for the next 30 days. Have you ever noticed the society that we're living in protects Muslims, protects Buddhists, it protects Hindus, but you let some Christians get stirred up and stand on the word of God and all of a sudden we're haters and bigots. Right? It's not that far-fetched that we could be facing the same type of laws being written today. Listen, that's why it's important, and I'm not going to get political, but that's why it's important that you vote. Some people say, I don't understand why why that's pushed so much, that it's so important that you vote. I don't think it matters. It does matter. Because when evil men, or women for that matter, get put into places of power, they begin writing laws... And sometimes they become very bold and very immoral. And they write laws. Listen, we just dedicated 11 precious babies back to God this morning. But these people will get together and they will write laws that make it legal to kill or a partially born or an unborn child. Now it's going to get real quiet. Then they write laws that make it legal to marry somebody of the same sex. Everybody gets real quiet and uncomfortable. But can I tell you something this morning? That that because we don't stand in favor of that does not make you a hater. 
It does not make you a bigot. It makes you somebody who stands on the unadulterated, uncompromising Word of God. And they write laws that legalize immoral things. I told my class Wednesday night, if you don't believe me, go back and re- go home and research it for yourself. Just go home and Google drag queen story time. It started in Toronto, Canada. In public schools and public parks and public events. And now it's moved into major cities across the U.S., including Lexington, Kentucky. And if you watch that video on YouTube, you'll find a man, a big, heavy-set, hairy man, who puts on a dress, got a big old beard, puts on a dress that shows his shoulders and his hairy chest and everything, paints himself up, puts on an orange wig, and goes in and hugs on and loves on little children and tries to teach them that things that don't look normal should be acceptable and shouldn't be strange. He tries to teach them that it's okay for a big, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. If I'm going to see an effeminate, I'd like to see somebody who's skinny and don't have a lot of hair. They make a much better looking woman. I'll just leave that where it is. But this guy, just go watch it for yourself. I just heard somebody say, I'm dead. <laughs> Love it. It's the truth, though. Like, it gags me, just being honest. But anyway, and then to teach children that it's okay. Actually, what's happening, parents, is they are molding and shaping your children into what the world wants them to be, not what God called them to be. Angie and I had a conversation a few weeks ago about a young lady who has now changed her name to a boy's name and looks like a boy and dresses like a boy and is dating a girl and putting all that on social media. Friends that we had, a young lady that I was friends with, her mother, when we were children, she was raised in church and in the ways of God, but she grew up and she married a woman and now she raises her two children that she had by her first husband with her new wife. They were young when she got married. And, and we were looking at that on social media. And I told Angie, I said, what does, what does anybody expect? What does anybody expect when children are put in a position to have to live under something that is unnatural? And is against the word of God. But not only is it done before them, it's crammed down their throat that they better accept it. That's what's happening in this world today. And we need people who will stand in the gap and pray. You don't fight the battle by running your mouth. You don't even fight the battle by running your mouth to defend yourself. Can I get a witness? That's what we want to do. That's the first thing I want to do. But do you want me to tell you the best way to fight your battle is to get in your prayer closet and let the Spirit of God raise up a standard against the enemy. God will fight the battle. If we've ever lived in a time where we need intercessors in the church, this is it. This is the time where we need intercessors who will discover what the Word of God says Claim the promises that are in the Word of God for their family members, for co-workers, friends, and our leaders. We need men and women who will take people, literally take people, to the throne of God and intercede for them. 
And Daniel knew that the time had come for the release of God's people. He was standing in one of the most pivotal gaps of all time. And he conceded, if he conceded or if he buckled under the pressure. The world wants the church to buckle under the pressure. Daniel knew if he buckled under the pressure, King Darius, listen, because this is important. King Darius would have never known there was a true God in heaven. Can I tell you, if the church buckles under the pressure, there'll be a world of lost people that never Come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We cannot buckle under the pressure. And God was about to miraculously move on Darius' heart. And listen, the only person stopping the plans of the enemy, think about this, was an 80-year-old man in his prayer closet. The only person stopping the plans of the enemy was an 80-year-old man in the prayer closet. Now let's be real here for just a moment. I'm not going to be much longer. But if you're looking for, if somebody's out to kill me, and I'm looking for a man to fight for me, I'm probably not taking an 80-year-old man. Can I get a witness? I used to say I'd take Dwight, but that's been 10 years ago. Now he's an old man. I'm going to look for somebody that's young and buff that can fight for me, right? That's the way we think about it. Dwight's offended because I just said he wasn't young and buff anymore. (laughs) But in all seriousness, listen, there are some battles, church, that are not meant for a novice. The Lord needed somebody with a history. Somebody with experience. Somebody who trusted him. See, the devil wanted Daniel away from this place of intercession, so he caused him to be thrown in the lion's den. Can I talk to some of our elders for just a brief second? We need you. We need you. We need some people that have been there, have done that, have got the t-shirt. You remember how God brought you through it. So you can help somebody younger than you and tell them, I can tell you, if you'll just stand on the word of God, if you'll just hold your peace, if you'll just pray, God will fight your battles. We need you. Don't ever think you're not needed. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. This den represented a place where Satan walked about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It was a place where very few people, if any, had ever been known to survive. As a matter of fact, if you go on down and read verse 24, which came after our main text, it said, And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them and their children and their wives. Watch this. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Before they ever made it to the bottom, they was gone like that, ripped to shreds, torn apart. You know what these lions can, can symbolize? These lines can symbolize things that destroy you. The line of bitterness. The line of resentment. The line of betrayal. Anybody ever been betrayed? The line of injustice. Here's a good one. The line of jealousy. Mm-hmm. The line of despair. And even if we're not careful, sometimes the line of anger, which is sometimes even directed toward God himself. And any of those lines could have taken Daniel down. But hear hear this, Pastor, if you don't hear anything else I said this morning, hear me when I say this. The devil does not need you to have ten sins undealt with in your life to destroy you. 
He only needs one to bring you down. Did you hear that? The devil don't need you to have ten sins in your life that are undealt with to destroy you. He only needs one undealt with sin to bring you down. But what the devil had not bargained for when it came to Daniel was the power of God's word. And that Daniel had fully embraced the power of God's word. And you might have thought the worship set led up to this sermon today. It did, but only because the Holy Spirit inspired it. I didn't tell Nicholas what I was preaching. He's been on vacation all week. He's been at Disney World and the beach suffering for Jesus. Actually, now I know that I'm becoming an old man because I remember those trips when we took, they don't have kids yet, but they went with people that do have kids. And I remember those trips when I took my kids to Disney World in the heat and, you know, from open to close and fall over dead that night and everything you could do to just make it through the week to get home so you could rest a little. I thought, yeah, now, now who's the old man? It's me. But anyway, what the devil had not bargained for when it came to Daniel was the power of God's word that he had fully embraced. And if we read verse 22 in our main text, what did Daniel say? He said, my God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me. Do you know in the original text that the term angel literally means the messenger? When the messenger came, Daniel received him and it was this messenger who shut the mouth of the lions. And from that very moment, those particular lions had nothing more to say to him. Listen, when you receive God's messenger, his word, the devil immediately has nothing more to say to you. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which shall rise up against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. What about Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 19? When the enemy comes in like a flood, anybody ever felt like you've been there? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. I came to tell somebody this morning, when you feel like you can't even pray, when you feel like you don't know how you're going to make it through it. When you feel like the enemy has done attacked your family, your job, your finances, your home, your body. When you feel like all hell is breaking loose in your life. If you'll find a place in your prayer closet, this book promises us the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. God will fight your battles. Hallelujah. Most of us prefer that we never have to go through the hardships. If they'll come to the music this morning. King Darius had been, he'd been friendly to Daniel. But ultimately he was the one who had Daniel thrown into the den of lions. And I believe the next day when he came back, he was sorrowful and mournful. Because he was afraid Daniel was gone. And he hollered out for him and he asked him. He said, Daniel, has your God been able to deliver you? Now listen, Daniel could have easily responded with arrogance, cockiness. See, we, sometimes we do that as Christians too, don't we? It's just not, it don't, it just ain't good. It just don't look good. What do you mean, Pastor? Daniel could have said, why you fool? Yes, God I serve. He's going to deliver me. What was you thinking? Because he was delivered. You know, there's, a, there's different ways to say it. Stand on God's word, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And then there's no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Right? Arrogance, cockiness, rudeness. Daniel could have done that, but he didn't. There's so much to be learned right here. The way Daniel responded to the same man that threw him in there. He said, Oh, king, 
live forever. The God I serve has delivered me. Listen, church. When you can bless the person or the situation that puts you in the pit, you know you've got an excellent spirit. You've got a right heart before God, and you've got the right attitude. And so what happened was the laws change. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 tells us, we know that, say all, all things, no matter how they look today, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Many of us know this and quote it, but let me tell you how it happened, how it worked out for Daniel. Last passage of scripture. After Daniel was taken out of the lion's den, the king issued a decree. In other words, the king changed the law. Daniel chapter 6, verses 25 through 27. Then King Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. And he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. See that heathen king received a revelation that many of us could benefit from. He changed the laws that had been written by those who were against the things of God. There's one law that I'd like to see change more than any other. And it's the law of sin and death that's been written over the lives of many people. I'd like to see it changed. And some of my people and some of your people go free. Wouldn't you like to see that today? I'd like to see that today. Daniel said, I want people to know that their time of captivity is over. They can leave their place of bondage forever. Leave their place of bondage forever. But you and I, if we want to see that today, we must begin where Daniel began. And that's in our prayer closet, in a place of prayer. Now some of you may have a literal closet. Some of you may have just places you pray. But today, if you'll stand with me all over this room, today, we're going to make this altar a prayer closet. Because you've heard the message today. But are you willing to receive it? See, all of us, our battles may look different. Our den of lions may look different. The voices that roar around us may sound different. We all fight different battles. But all of our battles can all be won the same way. And that's when we fully embrace the Word of God. And just stand in confidence. Like they sang this morning. And trust in God. Stand in confidence on God's Word. And know that God will deliver. So I want to ask you this morning, if you've been living in a place where the devil has roaring at you, and maybe all you've been doing is roaring back, yelling at him. But can I tell you, God does not want you in a shouting match with your adversary. Did you hear me this morning? God does not want you in a shouting match with your adversary. 
can hear what God is saying today. Sometimes He just wants you to be quiet. Quietness, it's hard for Pentecostals to learn that sometimes. Quietness can be good. Especially when you're standing back in confidence and saying, God, I realize and recognize I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not fighting people. We're wrestling against principalities and powers that are behind people. Spiritual darkness in high places. That's what we wrestle against. So we don't fight that in the flesh. But when we stand back in silence, fully embrace the Word of God and say, God, I choose to stand on your Word and trust you. That's when God will rise up and fight the battle for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room today, one quick question before I open this altar. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, if I were to go out into eternity today, I know that I know that I know that I would make heaven my home. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and just leave it raised for just a moment. If I went out into eternity today, I know that I know that I would make heaven my home. Thank you. I want to talk for just a second to those who didn't raise your hand today. Listen, we're talking about making a decision to stand on God's Word today. But the only difference between you and the person next to you who did raise their hand that said they knew that they were ready is one simple decision. That's the only difference. There's only one decision. You're only one decision away from being able to say, no matter what happens in my life, I'm ready to meet Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning, there's a room full of people in here today that will testify with me to you that Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. The best decision. So whatever you do, don't walk out of here today without Him. Somebody says, oh preacher, I'm not ready yet. i got to do this, i got to do that. You don't have to do anything except surrender your life to God. God will do the rest. Pastor, I have an addiction. It doesn't matter. Salvation is instantaneous. Sanctification is a process. And if you'll accept Jesus today, there's a room full of people here that'll be more than glad to pray with you and walk with you through the process. Can I get a witness in this house today? So whatever you do, don't leave here without Him. But in just a moment, they're going to sing and this altar is going to be opened. And if you have any kind of battle you're going through in your life, I want us to make this altar a prayer closet today. I want you to come and kneel and find a place and just say, God, I'm accepting the message. I'm accepting the word. I'm trusting you to shut the lion's mouth. I'm standing in confidence upon your word today.